Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And today we're going to be talking about uh, The Old Guard, a new Netflix movie starring Charlize Theron. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to give our pick for a movie with a sort of healing superpower. Uh, so spoiler alert, the people in these movies heal. Uh, the old guard. Yeah, the old guard. They're, they're yeah. actually old. The old guard heals. <laughs> uh, and my, it's, it's a movie about healing the racial divides and class divides that plague our country. Ty's deep reading of this movie. I don't know. Uh, the, the movie I'm going to pick is Deadpool. Uh, so he gets, he also has a very similar superpower where he can't be killed and he heals. Uh, and I think it has a pretty good, I like the fourth wall breaking and the kind of self-awareness is, is enjoyable. Can we do um, Palm Springs and Groundhog Day? Are they superheroes? Uh, I don't know. They just get to relive their life. They don't heal. Well, they come back from the dead. They get better. Anyway, <laughs> my movie is Logan. I liked Logan. The movie about, think, well, about Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine's another obvious choice, but I think. You think there's a lot Highlander. of these I've never seen it. I don't know. That really bad Vin Diesel movie that came out the beginning of this year. He heals. Is it okay? But it, okay, but is he a superhero? I I think definitely, literally. <laughs> well, what? he's kind of doing bad stuff, but I don't know. What is the definition of superhero? Someone with powers. Okay. Well, let's yeah, let's get into the old guard. Uh, I don't know, Ty. You you called this one out for us to talk about. Was there something that appealed to you, or what did you think of it? Well, there's not that many new movies coming out every week. <laughs> so this, I would take it what we can get. I would argue this was the biggest one of this week. That's the only reason I called it out. I mean, I had read, I'd read a little bit about it that it um, had a black female director, which is unusual for a superhero movie, and Skydance, the production company, had really wanted her to make it. Um, I had not heard of her other films though. What are do? You, do you have any of them on the top of your head? No, I don't. I don't remember. Okay, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I was expecting kind of a, you know, uh, film of our time, <laughs> and I think that's what we got. Well, I I feel like this follows that sort of Netflix tradition from like, I don't know, Six Underground, where they make these action movies, but they get big stars or bigger stars from foreign countries so that they play bigger, like outside of the lead, I guess I'd seen the one guy in a few movies and the French guy seems sort of familiar, but yeah. He's or the Itali- yeah. With the French guy. I, I didn't know the Italian or the, um, Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern guy on the other side of the crusades. I don't know what country he was from, but, Probably the Ottoman Empire, if it was during the Crusades, or I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, but was Sa- he Tur- Saladin? Was he- <laughs> but was he Turkish or Arab or Persian or far? You know I, that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, well, I feel like they, they probably are bigger stars in their home countries, and Netflix is just trying to be more expansive. Are you, wait, are you assuming that? Or have you, I've never heard of that. I don't know. I think Netflix does try to do that. Or like filming extraction in Bangladesh to appeal to more of the uh, Indian audiences. You don't think that's real? No, that is. I guess I'm just wondering if these if these actors in this film were actually famous in their home countries. That's my question. Oh, <laughs> I mean, how? Yeah, I don't know how we would know that, or uh, we could Google it, obviously. But I'm making an assumption. Why would they get cast? Well, because they needed. You know, America wasn't around a thousand years ago. They couldn't do Americans. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Now I want to know, but I guess. We won't know for this podcast. I would just have, I would, I just would have never thought that on my own. I, I would guess it was to have more appeal. So this, so this film would hit big in Italy. Yeah. Well, um, the guy who plays the French guy, he's famous. He's a Hollywood actor now. He's, he's been in like far from the maddening crowd. And he has that one scene in the laundromat. Yeah, sure. He's, he's gotten bigger. I feel like he's in other things too. His name's Schonertz, right? Um, yeah, Michael Schonertz. But far from the Madden crowd, so good. You see that one? Uh, I have seen it. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't do our favorite Michael Schonertz movies. Yeah, seriously. His name's Matthias Matthias Schonertz. Oh, Matthias, sorry. <laughs> of all the okay, well, I mean, it's enough about the sort of making of it or design behind the casting. What did you think of this movie? General impressions. Uh, I mean, it was so violent. That's the first thing that stands out in my mind. So graphic. Do not want to see another bullet pop out of someone's head. Yeah. Uh, I like that. They, I don't know. They don't give you a lot of context right away. But they show them like flying in with all their military equipment and then they're wearing swords on their hips. <laughs> and I I, I don't know, yeah, it had like a very like. I don't know, I got like a very crusade vibe from the from them, so I was not surprised that two of them were from the Crusades. Um, but I think this movie did the one thing that I, I I'm never going to like where they show a scene. And then they start the movie and then they get to that scene and this one, they got to that scene right away where they're like all dead on the floor. You know, that's, yeah. that's within like 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. At least I got to it fast, right? That's true. If, that's, it was, if that was the end of the movie, I would have been like, why? Why'd you do that? Yeah, I, I was worried it was going to be the end of the movie. So when it gets to there in 10 minutes, I was like, oh, OK, that, that I don't like it either, but that's better. Yeah. OK, that's fair. Um, I I thought. uh <laughs> I thought it was very compelling, though. I felt like the characters were were well developed, and I do. You have a little bit of mystery around Charlize and Dra- Andy, whatever Andromica. You have a little bit of mystery around her character, but um, I don't know. You get to see these character, these superheroes in kind of, I was gonna say intimate or informal settings, and you get to understand their character. And I thought actually, the two from the Crusades had a few remarkable scenes, really where they're almost poetic and very much stood out from a normal um, superhero movie for me. 
Yeah, I feel like there's a, like a little bit more of re- reluctance with these people. Like they're trying to do what's right, but they, but like they don't know why they're in this situation and don't know if they're even having a good enough impact. Like, right? Like, I think a lot of it's like you don't see the good you're doing when you're doing. Like, I don't know. In like, Charlize Theron did not understand the impact she was having on the world. Well, they say that. I don't know. They they have something like. You know, she's not in the room and one character says to another something like she was in it so she couldn't see what she was doing. But I don't know. She she can read the newspaper the next day or a year later and connect dots herself. No, I don't know. I didn't like that. I I, I feel like it's kind of a central message of the movie, though, like, right, like do good even if you don't see the impact right away. Right. Like anyone can make the world better. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. I don't know. It makes her, it just makes her seem very naive if she couldn't have connected those dots herself. And I guess I don't really want to believe that she's that naive after she would be the opposite of naive after living as long as she's lived. Definitely. She's jaded. I mean, she has that kind of jaded, nothing matters feeling, which I would have too if I'd lived that long, probably. And I think not... Uh, I guess they do experience pain, but they always know they're going to come back, right? Like they're going to be fine. So like uh, when the the American Marine is running away from her, she just shoots her to stop her. Like, I don't know. I think that would be a, a, that would force you to think about life differently if you weren't worried about losing it. Right. Like it allows them to be risky and aggressive. Yeah. But in these kind of movies, don't you always wonder like how bad, they could come back like if their body was cut in half or they were decapitated. I know this is dark, but don't, don't you think about that? And like, is that What's enough that they would not heal? Yeah. I, I actually thought it was going to be beheading that stopped them from healing. Cause they talk about losing a couple of people, you know, like, and there are some sort of clunkier flashbacks. I don't think those work the best. They're, the production quality on the flashbacks is it's like a different movie. It's like <laughs> cartoony Disneyland. I don't know. Yeah, especially the like uh, where where the guy dies, where we don't have a lot of context, but they're wearing like I don't know Mongol armor, like furs and stuff. It looked so hokey, so bad. The cat, the like Inquisition type stuff was a little different, but still. That was an awful image to see her screaming in the water and then waking up. Yeah. Like it's an awful, awful thing to contemplate. Did you get the motivation for Matthias's character to betray his group? No, it's very, and it, it was very thin. And also it wasn't, I guess this is kind of the same thing, but it wasn't foreshadowed really. I mean, it just happened. It felt like it was a plot thing more than a, really character driven thing that he would really do. I, I guess I guessed he was, I thought he was going to be sort of, I I was not surprised. He was the person that betrayed him, especially like he like didn't put a lot of effort into finding the guy was like, oh, I don't know other computer. Like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like he, I don't know, seemed a little more despondent. I was not surprised. It was him. You think, well, did you know someone was going to betray him? No, but I guess I, also just like assumed based on movie tropes, right? Like someone in the group had to betray him. Okay. I didn't assume that, but I mean, I feel like he didn't know anything about that guy Copley 
until it's I it, to me it didn't feel like he had a grand plan in mind where he was always intending to hook up with and cooperate with Copley. It felt like he really wasn't finding it, and then once he did find it, then he messaged him somehow. I guess what, did it. at what point do you think he planned it? From the from the beginning, I think that first mission that that was a setup. I think he was part of that planning. Well, no. Why didn't he do anything to ensure that Copley's plan worked? Then I don't know. That you've now you've made me think maybe not. I don't know. I don't know either. Well, I, I, they, I, I think it's he, not a good thing that it's so vague. <laughs> yeah, and they they talked about how his he outlived his children and like they were you know it was like he was they were bitter that they, he couldn't share his secret with them, but then they don't use that as motivation. He's like, no, I like I don't want. I want more people to live longer. Like they just didn't talk about it like that. He's just like, I'm just sad or. Well, he wanted more people to, he wanted, he wanted to himself be able to die. Right. That was his goal. Yeah. Well, and if, if he was, he, I think he, I think eventually he was working with Copley. Like he didn't load the bullets, but he still gets captured and he's going to go through the same experience that everyone, like I thought he was going to be partners with the partners with the, the medical, the pharma CEO or something like, he was going to get a huge payday out of it or something. Well, maybe he thought he was, but that's why his, his cooperation deal wasn't with the pharma company. It was with Copley only. He's not a good deal maker then. No, <laughs> he's a drunk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but okay. why would queen, I think that was her name. Why would queen come to him at the end <laughs> just to set up a sequel? I mean, she would go to, she would go to um, Andy, right? Oh, I think the next movie is going to be those two fighting the other four. I think she's angry at Andy. Probably because she's psychotic. Like, she lost her mind. But I think she blames Andy. And a sequel would be those two groups fighting. That would be irrational, but okay. (laughs) Fine. Yeah, we only want rational thoughts. (laughs) Uh, What did you think of the pharma CEO? Uh, I, I kind of liked watching him. He's in, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Do you remember that? The theater performer, right? Osman, the like, the one who doesn't move. The one who doesn't have arms and legs. Yeah. Yeah. So I love him in that one so much. That's like one of my favorite short films ever. And, uh, anyway, I like seeing him here. I thought he was very gross. Smarmy. Smarmy. (laughs) When he's holding the battle axe. I love the little look he did on his face. So like such a pretender, such a poser. But how about how gross was it? Oh my gosh. There are a lot of gross scenes in this film, but how gross was it when, uh, uh, the new one, what's her name? Oh, it's not Nile. When Nile jumps out the window with him and then her hand comes back. (laughs) (laughs) See it like popping. So gross. Uh, are there other things you liked or disliked about this one? Mm, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it it just it felt like it was. I think it's a pretty good superhero movie, but I, it does feel like it had a lot of tropes and a lot of kind of symbolic but unreasonable action, like when she decides to or dreaming about Nile. They all dream, and then they know where to find her and. They kind of establish that that's possible because Andy is able to tell where the um, 
baklava or dessert comes from in Turkey, you know? I, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that was intended to set up the later scene where they could deduce where Nile was, but it's just so hokey. And then, and then Andy's character or Theron's character decides to, that she's going to go get her. So she jumps off the train in the middle of the nowhere. Like, she can't fly. Like, you should get to it's a long should, walk in the desert. You should get to the next town and then take transport. I don't know. Just crazy stuff like that. The, the mine cave, such a trope. Well, I'd like to have, I, I think this movie just to move it along, there was a lot of sort of convenient cuts, like, like that getting off the train. And then the next scene, she's in the military base or they beat up those two military police. And then the next scene is them driving away in a Humvee. It's like, how did you get out of the base with the Humvee? Yeah. And then just like, I mean, I don't know. You don't want to see every little piece, but I think there were some convenient things just to move the movie along. Oh, yeah. You don't want to see every little piece, but also there can't be huge things where you don't believe it as an audience. I mean, we we suspend our disbelief, but if they ask us to believe things that just don't make sense, then we get out of the film. I thought thought the... um, there's a lot of, I, I mean, I think the movie is well-written because there is some kind of looping or not looping, but callbacks and things are set up at the end, at the beginning, the payoff at the end. That's why I think maybe Matthias Schoenert's character, maybe that's all that stuff was um, setting him up. But they do the thing like uh, the Russian airline pilot playing dead and then that comes back and... um. I don't know. I feel like there are other other examples of that. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, I think they were able to layer the story and keep it kind of self-referential. And I mean, I think they did. You know, they said definitely set it up for more movies if they want to keep doing this. But oh, I definitely. think this does does stand alone as a story. Yeah, I mean, I'm not into the graphic novels or graphic comics on which this is based. What are you? No, never. I did. I had. I had no idea it was based on a graphic novel until I saw it at the end. Although I'm not surprised. I guess it. Oh yeah, every everything's based on a graphic novel these days. Right. Why is that? Kind of lazy. It's, it's, it's a, the new it's, source material. It's just like everything was based on books 20 years ago. No. Also, there were original stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If I was a famous director in Hollywood, all I would be doing is trying to recreate Star Wars. I would just, every film would be trying to make a new world that could spawn billions of dollars. Sure. That that would be very nice for them and their grandkids. Yeah. Well, it's also fun. It's also fun. That's kind of the point of being a storyteller is to tell any crazy story you want. Yeah, be creative. Don't be constrained by this world that we live in. So hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ty, what are you going to rate Old Guard out of five? I'm going to give it a three. I would have given it a four. I liked it, except so very violent. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm also going to give it a three, I think. Just middle of the road. <laughs> yeah. The director was Gina Prince uh, Bythewood. I don't know how you say it, but uh, I just wanted to say that name uh, since I didn't know it earlier. But uh, I don't know the other stuff she's done. But I guess I think this was getting good reviews, right? 
I think people like it. I mean, quarantine classes. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe she'll get to make more. Cool. Do you have something else to recommend for our listeners? Well, I watched Hamilton yesterday. (laughs) Catching up, as they say. (laughs) Okay. It's fine. It's fine. It I keep musical theater. Why? Why does anyone watch musical theater? I don't get it. Oh, rough. It just uh, it just simplifies everything down to every character's got their catchphrase kind of song. Uh, simplifies everything. There's no nuance in musical theater. Ty, you want a a, a written drama? Three hours of talking about Alexander Hamilton. Well. Talking yeah. about Hamilton? Oh, oh, you mean not about the play, about the person? Yeah. Uh, probably. <laughs> I'd probably prefer that. It's good. It's obviously genius. I just, it's not, my critique is not of Hamilton. It's of musical theater. <laughs> Seems more personal preference. Right. Totally. 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 Yeah. You? That's fun. Um, man, I feel like. Not really explored new things this week, so it's tough to think of something new to recommend. Just falling into old favorites. I don't know. What'd you watch? Uh, Remy and I have been watching a little Top Chef. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you, wa- you watch it? Uh, oh, well, whatever. No, it's fine. Uh, I guess... Still just been going through those HBO Max movies, but watched um, What About Bob? It's and? Quite quite enjoyable. So Bill Murray is so funny. Yeah. I agree. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. I'm Ty Turley. This is our, this is our one more online edition of Two Brothers Review. I mean, sorry, our our in-person audience had to close down. So, <laughs> yeah, we hope we hope to get back to a live studio soon. Oh, my gosh. We're always online, <laughs> but now our films are, too. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.